luscious. I'm Liz. I'm Lenore. We're the sexy besties you've always wanted. Juicy stories, not therapy. Hit subscribe. Climb in bed with us. We know you'll want more. Mm. Hi. How you doing? <sighs> you know, just chilling. Just chilling. What are we going to talk about? How important safe sex is. What does safe sex look like for you? Safe sex is knowing my status, mm-hmm. getting tested regularly, and being really, really upfront with all my partners and wearing condoms. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately you and I have very much shared values when it comes to safe sex. Otherwise, I don't think we would have the same level of connection sexually is what we do Mm -hmm. because I think it's a big deal for both of us very much so and so if either one of us didn't take it seriously that would be problematic for the other it's really a health issue just like well just like COVID you know you really do have to make sure that you are aware of your body and you're taking care of it and that means sexually as well Yeah, and I think when you're putting other people's bodies in play as well, that's where part of how you demonstrate that you care for somebody else is actually taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that, as you say, is regular testing so you know where you're at. Because these days, so many of the things that happen sexually, like so many of the STIs and things are totally fucking treatable. Mm -hmm. They're not a big deal if you deal with them. Yes. So I got chlamydia a few years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I was probably testing every six months or so. Mm-hmm. And that was before I discovered rapid. So it was a fucking pain in the ass to test because you'd have to go and get a referral from your GP and then go to the blood's place and then go get another doctor's appointment and do all the things. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I was just testing every six months or so. And look, I didn't really have a – I was just due for my regular testing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't – I had a little bit of weird itchiness going on. And a little bit of weird spotting, but I get intermittent itchiness, you know, like the wrong toilet paper can do that to my oh, absolutely. fussy little vagina. <laughs> and I have since discovered that, um, look, I have a few little cervix cells that should be on the inside that sit on the outside. And if mm-hmm. they get banged really hard with a, you know, with a really big dick in the wrong angle, Sometimes I get a little bit of spotting, Mm -hmm. have since had an ultrasound and the doctors looked at it, all the things. Anyway, all that to say, so as much as I had a couple little symptomy things, it was just regular testing time anyway. And so I definitely wasn't expecting to hear that I had chlamydia and it was a really interesting experience to go through because I am the sort of person who does read about all these kinds of things. So I read up on all of our local health guidelines as to contact tracing and how far back you should tell people if you have a positive test and how you should deal with that. And at the time when I looked at those things, Queensland Health was saying um, essentially back six months mm-hmm. was what they were saying. And it should be contact traced back to a certain point and then, you know, you should tell people further than that. So six months was about where it was at. And so me being me, I knew that before I went to have the conversation with the GP, I think, because I think 
somehow I'd, you know, I knew the test was there or whatever. And I don't know, maybe I just even had read it because I'd read things like that, whatever it was. I knew that was the situation and I still asked her. So when she said, so when I got the treatment, so I went in and got the tablets and did all the things. And I said, um, do I need to tell any of my previous partners? And she looks at me and goes, oh, yeah, like maybe the last two weeks or so. What? Mm Mm-hmm. What? I was just shocked and horrified all at once. Okay. That happened. So, naturally, I went and told – like, I went back the whole way. And even that was a really interesting experience. So, there are a number of guys that I texted and I would just text them and say, hey, just a heads up, I've had a positive test back for chlamydia. It would be wise of you to go and either get tested or just get treated because that's the thing with chlamydia. They say you really – you can actually just – if you have had contact with a known case, you can actually just go in and get treated. Mm -hmm. You don't even actually have to test in order to treat chlamydia. Mm -hmm. But don't quote me on that shit because I'm not a fucking dog doll. But that was what I had read at the time around Queensland guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number of guys, because that was definitely in a phase where there was a lot of them, but the number of guys who shot back with, well, I didn't give it to you. Oh, it doesn't matter. And the thing was, I hadn't said that. That no. was the thing. I hadn't gone to any of them and said, hey, fuck you, buddy. I've got chlamydia. It might have been you. Yeah. It's... I've literally just said, you fall within the window wherein you may have been exposed to it via me. Mm-hmm. Go get tested. Yep. And it was really interesting because at some point around there when I did start going to Rapid. So, Rapid is a local health service near us that is very queer friendly, very accessible, all those kinds of things. Um, and they just do sexual health staff that you're testing on site it's Mm -hmm. fucking amazing and they were saying one of the demographics that is the hardest to get to test is the fucking straight boys yeah because they all think because they are asymptomatic that they do not have chlamydia or herpes or you know gonorrhea or Mm. syphilis Mm. they just really don't realize how easy it is to transmit yeah and also how easy it is to treat yeah And that's the thing. I think for a lot of guys as well, there's that real stigma around like, I'm not dirty. Yeah. And the thing is, having an STI doesn't make you any dirtier than getting a fucking tonsillitis. Exactly. It's an STI. Yeah. It's an infection. It just happens to be transmitted when you're fucking bumping uglies. Why did I say bumping uglies? I don't know. I don't know, but I was trying to find some stupid way to say it and that's what I came out with. Beautiful. Could have been touching genitals, could have been having sex. Touching genitals sounds really sterile. Oh. Anyway. (laughs) Not to you, clearly. (laughs) Hello, medical fetish. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'll... So, I've got surgery booked for next week and now that I know that, I'm just going to be really kind of careful with you being around me while I'm in the hospital. <laughs> oh, baby. Are you going to get horny in the hospital, babe? Look, we'll see how we go. Okay, cool, because I'm going to be anxious as fuck. Um, so, anyway, I think there's a lot of stuff there for people where they are concerned that people will think negatively of them. Mm-hmm. It was not a fun time having to text a lot of people. Um, I do know there is a contact um, service. You can actually just – there is a website here in Queensland where you can put people's phone numbers in and it will alert them for you. Mm -hmm. So, you can do it anonymously. That is amazing as well. Yeah. You don't even actually have to text them yourself. 
you can just hop on there and it will send them a text saying somebody you have had contact with has returned a positive result for this. Please go and get tested. Mm-hmm. How fucking good is that? That's amazing. Downside of that is when you've got them all on kick, it doesn't work. Oh, shit. You need a mobile number. Fuck. <laughs> But anyway, like I look, I didn't have an issue doing it. Um, but I was really surprised by the way some of those responses came through. Mm-hmm. And then one of the guys went to his GP and basically got fobbed off. What? So he went in again and like look, to be fair, he was the most recent one before the test the testing. But and so he, like, definitely within the window. Yeah. And he went in because he had a cold or flu or something like that. And the GP essentially went, oh, you won't have it. You'll be fine. <laughs> Gave him antibiotics for the flu and then eventually said, um, you know, come back and I guess, you know, we can talk about that then or something like that. But really was incredibly dismissive of it. How horrifying is that? That's That's actually really, really disappointing Mm -hmm. i feel like there is a lot of health professionals mainly gps Mm. who aren't really educated in sex or stis and sometimes they're not uh very I think the tricky thing about GPs is they are a general practitioner, therefore they have to have a little bit of knowledge about a lot of things. Yeah. Unfortunately, that means when you go to them for something and you're looking for a degree of specialist knowledge, which if you are having a lot of sex with a lot of different people, you want to be super clear about your testing. Mm -hmm. So for us, that means when we do chlamydia and gonorrhea testing, we're doing urine test, Mm -hmm. throat swab, and anal swab. Yep. It's pretty hard to get a GP to do anything more than urine. Uh, It's very difficult, actually. Mm. You may get lucky and get them to do a blood test. Oh, I've always done urine and bloods. Yeah. But a lot of them will only do bloods too. So then you have to demand urine on top of it. Yes. mm. Yeah. So I I personally, I love Rapid. So Rapid's a, off memory, it's a community organisation. I really want to record me actually doing an STI test so everyone can hear how easy it is. But you go in, you fill out a questionnaire which is non-invasive, is queer-friendly, and you sit down with somebody who does this for a living. They know all about STIs and know about HIV, which is really important and I feel like while, yes, there are areas that HIV has gone down in, uh, there's still HIV in the community. Even though there is now, I think it's PEP and PrEP, so post and pre-sex with somebody who is HIV positive, where it can actually allow you to have sex with that person and not get infected with HIV. Yeah, which is amazing. The other thing I find really great about Rapid is they definitely have better knowledge around, like you said, around queer sex. Mm -hmm. So you go to a GP, they may have a very basic knowledge about penis in vagina sex, Mm -hmm. but anything outside of that, whether that's penis in ass or penis in mouth Mm -hmm. or two vaginas or two penises or anything Mm -hmm. else, 
they're way out of their depth really quickly. And the other thing is, is if you say that you have multiple partners, you're with your in our case, I'm with my lady lover mm. and I also sleep with other people with her and with other people as well mm. individually. They honestly, suddenly you have grown a third head and it is more normal. Yeah. Oh, the shade. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> How dare you engage in safe, sane and consensual practices? What? As yeah. an adult. And I will say with my chlamydia experience, I was a little shocked because I am fastidious about condoms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sp- I, I'm not with Octopussy. We have an agreement that we are both very limited in the people that we don't use condoms with. And so that's my only exception to that. But that was established after a long time of being to get like having that kind of sexual relationship. Uh, we both have regular testing and show each other the regular mm-hmm. testing. So before the very first time, we both had full bloods and everything else done. So this was before I was going to rapid and before he was as well. And I saw that paperwork. So he mm-hmm. actually got a printout from the GP and I saw it. And that was really commonly expected. And it, and even then, anytime I want to see results from somebody, I want to see them. Absolutely. And I think it's sh- like you should be able to say, when was your last sexual health check? and can I see the results? Absolutely. I think it's a really important thing to do. Yeah, so it was kind of really odd to me that the chlamydia came up even though I had been super careful about condoms, which kind of goes back to that point where even if you're being really careful about condoms for penises in vaginas, because to be fair, we are not regularly putting condoms on penises we put in our mouths. No, we're not. We're also not using dental dams when we eat pussies. No, we're not. So we are taking risks. Mm-hmm. And we're taking risks that we've ju- like we've judged to be acceptable risks mm-hmm. for us personally. I mean, like other people may have different perspectives on that and that's their call. Part of how we mitigate that risk is the regular testing. Absolutely. But that is why the throat swabs matter too because y'all can get shit in your throat. Mm-hmm. You're putting a penis in there. Uh-huh. And I like to put them really deep in there. You do. I like to watch that. Anyway, that got very off topic. (laughs) (laughs) But I think one of the other things that's really important is to understand how you can have those conversations up front too because I've had a number of friends who have been out of long-term relationships and then they get into the online dating scene and feel really uncomfortable or really awkward having those conversations up front. Mm Mm-hmm. But the thing is, so I have a policy now. I have, I, I had always established with people that I only play safe, mm-hmm. um, and that means condoms for all penetrative, all penetrative sex. Um, and then I had a guy one day who pushed the issue and fought me on it once we were naked. So basically, tried to get it in there. Um, and I argued with him, got it on him, all the rest, and then it, uh, quote, unquote, fell off. Bullshit. While he had me in doggy with my head down on the bed. So, I will say this. If a guy argues with you about a condom and then puts you in doggy, don't He's, do taking, it. His He's taking it off. But also, which is fucking bullshit that we even have to have this conversation. But also, um, and look, I know it's really easy to say this stuff outside of it. As opposed to when you're in the middle of it, it's a lot harder because you're always weighing up a whole lot of other things as well. Am I safe to say this? Can I get out safely? All the things. I decided myself after that experience that 
if someone were to challenge me again on condoms, so even suggest not using it, that is enough for me to end things at that point. And I would just say I have a policy that if I even have to ask you to put a condom on, play is over for for today. Mm -hmm. And I would probably phrase it that way and just say play is over for today. It would be forever. I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna mess with people who are not gonna take my safety seriously enough. Look, it's like the old school adage: no hat, no play, <coughs> no school I today. Fucking did not know that's where you were going. <laughs> so if you no do hat, not, no hat, no play. Can we put that above our bed? No hat, no play. Oh my god! I feel like yes. You know what? Everyone, fucking cap it. <coughs> Otherwise, you can't play. What I find really interesting, though, is the lack of education around STIs. And I feel like that starts quite young. What was your sexual education in school like? I feel like there was some coverage of STIs when I went to school. I don't really remember a huge amount. What I did really appreciate, though, so I have two older teenage daughters and one of them in particular, I remember her first experience, which was the first experience we'd sort of had with, you know, current day, things like that. Um, And when she went to her GP the first time, the very first thing the GP did was actually send her off for an STI check before she was even – like making noises about being sexually active Mm -hmm. as soon as she was starting that because she was just putting in her head that this is part of what being sexually active is. Good. If you can't get regular checks, have adult conversations about it, be be safe – then you shouldn't be fucking having sex. Think of condoms as a license and STI checks. You can't get behind a wheel of a car without having a license. And if you do, well, then you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Think of it like the same. Oh, that's a terrible analogy. That's hilarious. And look, I think that's the thing. You know, we often have interactions with women who are – out of long-term relationships. So you have sexual practices within a long-term relationship are going to be different than if you're having casual interactions. Absolutely. And the number who have really struggled or who are shocked to, you know, they haven't got that history and the understanding. I feel like I did have a good grasp on STIs in general, but that could have just been, again, I read a lot of shit. So I found that in my schooling we – didn't really get an actual STI talk, a proper one, other than use condoms or you'll get infected, use condoms or you'll get infected or that kind of stuff, Um, until grade 12 where then a lot of teenagers were sexually active. Okay, that's fair. I might not have had that till grade 12 but I wasn't sexually active Yeah, So So I I didn't clock when it was. Yeah, Yeah. so I wasn't sexually active at that age. However, I thought it was quite interesting that they literally did the most comprehensive sex education maybe a month out from schoolies, so a month out from us leaving school. And that was when an actual educator came in and brought in prophylactics, brought in diaphragms, brought in different contraception, including literally an IUD and uh, dental dams and actually explain them. And by that point, I literally looked around and knew that a lot of my friends have been sexually active since they were 14. Well, and I think 
all those things you talk about there, doesn't that also bring back the point that when we need, to, when we're having conversations about things like consent, communicating your needs, communicating your mm-hmm. boundaries, that shit starts when they're five and six. Absolutely. Don't leave those conversations until you're 16 because the thing is those, there are going to be bodies there who've been dealing with unwanted touching, mm-hmm. unwanted sexual advances, mm-hmm. unwanted verbal or things that are being said to them that they feel uncomfortable about. And we haven't actually equipped a lot of our young people to actually be able to say, hey, I don't like that. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like because the very first time I had sex outside of once the marriage ended and the guy came over and we'd met before we'd you know but it was very much I was trying to rip the band-aid off of you know new sex person and I just remember pretty much as soon as he touched me I didn't really want to keep going yeah I didn't have the language for it mm-hmm. as a 34 year old I didn't have the language to say hey can you slow down mm-hmm. or hey actually shit stop or wait, I'm not sure I wanted to keep doing this. Yep. All I had in my head is like I know we're allowed to say no and we tell our kids you can say no. You can always say no at any time you can say no. But what are you going to do? It's different in practice. Mid-sex. Like could you imagine we're having sex and I just go, no. <laughs> <laughs> just- you just – just you yelling out no? No. With no I'm context? Like, yeah, I'm going, yes, yes, no. 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 <laughs> no one is doing that. Absolutely You not. have to actually have the language and the skills and you have to practice it, mm-hmm. which is why we can't just start talking about safe sex at 17 or 18 or whatever when they haven't been able to have conversations earlier about what's going on for them. I agree. It's such a frustrating thing, though, to realise that my sexual education was very delayed because of the school system. And I honestly do believe that the best thing we can do is to normalise the conversation and not have a fear-based uh education about it we shouldn't be teaching our kids abstinence only education we shouldn't be chastising people or making it sound like an sti is a death sentence because if we make it like that and we say that is the worst thing and it's so dirty and you're disgusting for having an sti no one is going to talk about it yeah exactly no one is going to want to get tested or want to get treatment so, I am – well, two things there. I'm curious to know, do you believe it is the school system's job to educate or do you think it's parents' job to educate? I or? believe it's both. Yeah. I believe – well, my – Just my, thought it was interesting because you said you felt your experience was delayed because of the school system. Absolutely. Do you feel like there's any responsibility on parents? I do believe that. I, however, came from a family where – um to put it quite honestly, because I was female, my sexual education was them saying, you're not having sex until you're 30. So I – That's helpful. Yeah, definitely. I, I loved it so much. Mm. Uh, or my mother turning around and sitting me down with a medical book and explaining to me how my uterus works. It's not helpful in the Before long run. Before you started bleeding? 
Yes. Mm. Yeah. Like grade six or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I feel like parents need to have those open conversations, and if they're not comfortable to have those conversations, then putting them, in, uh, then putting their children in touch with health professionals who can have those conversations. Which these days is a lot more accessible than what there was when we were younger. Absolutely. So I am that parent who, um, two of mine. Oh God, it was a couple of years ago now. Came in one day and asked. Well, I think at one point they asked why I had condoms. Or no, they asked if I had condoms. And I said yes. And they asked if they could have one. And I said why. And they basically just wanted to play with it. Yeah, of course. And then they decided to fill it up with water and turn it into a water balloon. Reasonable. Right? It can hold a lot of water. It can. It's funny. Um, But the thing is, ultimately... I struggle a little bit with how other people might perceive my attitudes towards sex as a parent mm. because I see there is still a lot of parents who are horrified about having those conversations with their kids. But my philosophy is that I really would prefer to be having them myself. I want my kids' sexual education wherever possible to come from me or a reputable source, mm-hmm. not from Pornhub or their peers. Yes. You know what Why? my favourite part about the sex ed in grade 12 was? What? Was the instructor pulled out a banana mm. and all of us went, <sighs> okay, cool, he's going to put a condom on the banana until he fucking unscrewed it and surprised the inside was a dildo. Oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. It made me so happy that this banana – suddenly turned into a dildo and yeah so i guess how we can wrap this up is by saying wrap your willy no how no play no school today (laughs) (laughs) i mean it kind of ties back in nicely with the conversation about sex ed in schools Mm. it was really well done Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad that the childhood mottos have stuck with me so long and I've now been able to translate them into really weird sex-related things. And get tested. Get tested. It's not a big deal. No. And Mm. tell your sexy partners if you do get something and demand that they get tested. Fuck yes. Safe Sane and consensual is the name of the game. And if you're not getting tested, then you ain't safe. And that's not sane. And that won't be consensual. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) And on that note, until next week, luscious lovers. Prophylactic.